What's up? What's up? Today we interviewed Susanna J. Linton, an author, content creator, and a cool chick. That's right. And before we show all that to you, be sure to subscribe and like, and we'd love if you'd pass this show on to others. So Susanna is from South Carolina, and uh, she's a very involved lady with her church, a lot of outreach ministries. Um, she's been an author since early on. She knew she wanted to do this. Pretty awesome. Uh, it can help us. We're a couple novices. She's married to a man who's serving in the National Guard. Go him, huh? As far as her writing content, it is kind of fantasy, mystical. Ooh, it's deep. It's awesome. Stay tuned for this. Um, how about a little bit about her faith real quick before we get into it? Yeah, her faith was a gift, really. Um, it, it's a beautiful journey of how God reached out to her, and through her longing and desire um, for something, a better life, a happier life, God reached out to her, and um, particularly through the gift of a relationship with the Blessed Mother Mary. I know sometimes people are confused, like, how does Mary play a role in our faith, or should she at all? She, uh, Susanna grew up Baptist, Southern Baptist, and so the idea of having a relationship with Mary was very unknown to her. It was through a journey of Mary reaching out to her through beauty, through motherly tenderness, that um, she eventually learned about the true, uh, the true teachings about Mary and um, how to live our faith with that relationship. Yeah, I believe it was a, a bust, you said? Right. So she Early said, on. yeah, Susanna's father gave her a, a bust, a, s a statue of Mary, and she didn't know anything about Mary, but was attracted to the beauty of this statue. And that's really what drew her in. And then eventually a rosary. She didn't really know what, much about the rosary either, but the beauty of the rosary also attracted her. Yeah, and at that point, she's like, okay, what's going on, right? And then she started looking. I think Catholic Answers was where she did a lot of her homework to try to figure out the lies and truths. There's so many non-truths out there about Mary. And I, I come from the same background, kind of like, you know, I didn't know, like, what is this garbage, right? What is this? But to actually find out, what are they really teaching? Oh, they're not worshiping Mary like they got? You know, like, it's, no, we're honoring Mary. <laughs> you know, just like my grandma's in heaven. I might think about her, you know. But the idea is she just kind of did the, her homework on it and uh, has a relationship now in that regard. Before we dive into her life as an author, we wanted to ask her a question that we like to ask a lot of people. What is the obstacle of faith for the modern era? And she had a really interesting answer. Yeah, she's talked about arrogance. What a powerful word, huh? So let's join her in that conversation. Being really religious is kind of like in the past. We used to be that way, but we're modern now. We don't need that anymore. We don't need to be you know, mystical or in touch with things. And, and, um, which is, you know, in my, in my book series, you know, Clara is like the only one who's really religious and everybody else is standing around going, Oh, well, I'm not religious. I don't really feel the need to be. And here she is having all these mystical experiences. She can see the future and all sorts of stuff. And they're just content with just being kind of like how they are. And, um, and that's sort of what you see today. There are people who are having experiences who are having these joyful relationships with God and the rest of the culture is just passing them by and just be like, oh, they're weird. They're, they're quaint. Um, but how to evangelize them? You know, at this point, gosh, my cynicism wants to come out. Um, I uh, be real. <laughs> yeah, at this point, I think prayer mostly. Like the foundation has to be prayer. I mean, Saint Dominic, before he even started fighting heresy, he established his nuns. Then he went after, you know, what he really felt called to do. Um, and I think same sort of thing here. You start with prayer, and then you educate yourself, and then you start living your life to the best, you know 
that you feel God is calling you to be the person that God has called you to be. So St. Catherine of Siena says that if you're that, then you'll set the world on fire. And then just, you know, it's not on us. The burden is not really on us to save or convert. Um, it's just, we just have to live and respond to grace and the Holy Spirit's prompting. And in the wash will affect people. But we're so, things are the way they are right now. I really think it would take have to take a major catastrophe to wake some people up. And that's really sad, but I guess it's always been that way. Yeah, I kind of agree with you um, in a sense. And I mean, that's what, you know, Israel, that's a whole Old Testament story, right? <laughs> like the little promptings of grace just weren't enough for some reason. Um, and I, I don't know that humanity and human nature has changed all that much. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. So. I, I, my CCD students were, I we're kind of in the middle of the, the story of Israel and not this year, but last year I was explaining about the cycle, you know, they'll be okay. And then they'll fall and God has to shake them. And then they come back and, but then it happens all over again. And then one of my students said, well, that's stupid. They're stupid. And I said, well, sin makes you stupid, honey. I mean. <laughs> it's true. It really does. <laughs> that's a great response. Sin makes you stupid. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, sometimes people have to hit like the depths, right? They have to reach rock bottom, as they say, and then that'll wake them up. But uh, yeah, interesting how that works. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, so we're going to move into uh, talking about your writing career. So, yeah, how did you get started? Um, when did you know you want to be a writer? What got this all going for you? Well, when I was in high school, I, I lived a year with my grandmother. I just had to, I just wanted away from the house and I wanted a better life. And I just thought that living with my grandmother would provide that. So, it was my freshman year of high school and they had a big library. And, um, so I was walking around. I saw a book with dragons on it. And I was like, ooh, okay. Uh, and um, uh, it was Anne McCaffrey's uh, Dragon Riders of Pern series. And I read the first book, um, Dragonflight. And it was immersive and really wonderful. And, and I read it and I thought, I want to be a writer. I want to tell stories like this. And so that's kind of what started it. I wrote mainly poetry at first and then I started writing more fiction uh and and so that's that's kind of yeah that's my origin story (laughs) that's awesome so um just as with faith like faith is shared by the witness of others same with like other artistic expressions too like people want to go into media because they saw that newscaster people want to be an artist because they're influenced and so inspired by the work of someone else and and like you as well like this other person's ability to express and communicate such a a beautiful story is what influenced you so um, I think that's a beautiful testimony of like the importance of sharing our passions and our expressions as well. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so that's like so many people are like, I don't know what I want to do. And that's awesome that you knew so early. Were there any other careers that sometimes would come to your mind? Like, Oh, maybe I should consider this or any other creator creative endeavors maybe. Um, well, I mean, there was tech writing, which is really what I went to school for. Um, I think, I think I wanted to be an interior designer for like a hot minute. Um, 
astronomy. I was interested in astronomy when I was much younger. Um, I wanted to be an astronomer briefly, but that involves math. I don't know math. So, um, yeah. Right, right. Okay. Um, and then in your job at the church, uh, we're just kind of curious, would there be any characters that might be benefited by this position or influence? Do you think like this job will help you develop new ideas from a different angle? I, I don't know. Well, that's, that's a great question because I was, I was, um, um, I, I've been, cause most my books are really targeted towards, I don't want to say targeted, but they're for a secular audience. So, you know, um, no, but I've been wanting to think about writing a novel that would be kind of geared to, more towards like I would market it towards Catholics. And I thought about writing something that would take place in a parish, but I've never really known how the parish works. I've always been on the outside of that. Like, I don't know what, you know, a secretary or an office manager or even a priest does day to day. And now I'm getting an idea of that. And I was just thinking yesterday, you know, how. I could use this as a way to, you know, if, you know, write a book based in that kind of, of, of environment. Yeah, I mean, you see all sorts of characters coming into a parish, right? People who are just curious and looking um, anonymously and those who have questions and those who are real need or those who are on fire. You just get like a whole spectrum of people that you never really oh, yeah. would have thought. And so, yeah. yeah really oh, yeah, that too as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, so you say that your books um, are more, per, you know, for a, a non-religious audience or a secular audience. Can you tell us more about your series and maybe where the idea came from? And um, I'm really interested in the character you said. She was kind of the only one having like these mystical experiences. It just sounds like a fascinating story. So can you share a little bit more about it? So the Stories of Lore series uh, is, so far, it's three books and one novella, and it follows Clara, who can see into the future. And so the first book is, there's a civil war, and she's pulled from slavery into being in the middle of the civil war. Both sides want to use her for their own ends. Who is the right side? Who is the wrong side? And she's just really good. She's always been kind of religious, and she's, you know, had some touch with the divine that, as it's portrayed in this book, but now it starts to deepen and she's getting pulled more into the stream of, of events of fate and things. And then the next book is more about her finding herself and finding her past and her family. But she's also torn between that and duty. And, you know, there are other people who need help. There's a new threat to the realm. And then the third book shifts away from her to another character. Like she's still important, but Jarrett is, uh, he, he fell from grace. And he dishonored himself in the second book. And he gets recalled to the Capitol. Somebody has tried to kill Clara. And he is kind of given the charge of investigation. He's in charge of her guard now. But he also has to find out who's after her. So it's it's sort of like an almost murder mystery in a fantasy setting. And and uh, yeah. So And then the, the novella follows another character that... Um, had an even further fall from grace um, and what happens with him and a new person emerges that will have a big impact on later stories so that's the rough and dirty you know <laughs> synopsis I love it I mean that's just so okay 
I'm just like so amazed. Like I don't really have like the creative mind. So I'm like, how do you come, how does someone come up with something like that? Just for you, do you like have to like map out these stories or do you just have like a spark of inspiration? Like what is the process of creating a world like that for you? Well, Clara, um, and I have the first book right here. Um, Clara started actually, again, going back to that freshman year of high school. I started writing a novel then, and it was all about a girl who didn't have a voice. And Clara does lose her voice in this book. Um, and then I wrote the novel, and, and it kind of, over the years, I went back and rewrote it and messed with it. And then I came back to it and thought, I'm going to really get this thing for publication. So I sat down and really fixed it. And it was just supposed to be the one book. And she was going to die at the end. And she didn't want to be dead. Like, I can't explain. You just write the ending. You're just like, that doesn't feel right. It's like wearing an ill-fitting shirt. You're just like, that's not, that's not how that's supposed to be. That's not right. And so I, way it ended up being was an open-ended question. So everything that has happened after is just answering a series of questions. Well, what about this? What about that? How did this happen? Why did this happen? Who's behind this? And then as I keep answering the questions, the series kind of grows. I'm not really a plotter, as they're called. Um, I kind of write by the seat of my pants, but I also do, I kind of like, I'm in between those two extremes of, of plotting and pantsing. I'm just kind of in between that. So, yeah, I just find that so fascinating that um, I'm glad there are people in the world who have that gift because and I don't. And I'm just like, wow, thank you, God, that there are people who can like create and um, just imagine and um, explore new worlds, if you will. Um, that's just such a gift. So, yeah. Yeah. Really I would just say for our listeners, just definitely check out uh, at least her blog. I was just like pulled in and I like all that kind of fantasy, right? You got castles and like wars and just like, yeah gifts like you said with your character and just like it's fascinating we're both of us actually started a book this year our own book <laughs> we're total novice oh, writers and uh, i'm just like we we're reading your stuff i'm like this this lady's pro <laughs> it's great <laughs> thank you yeah your oh, descriptions were just like hooked. i were like okay that's the next uh, yeah. series we have to oh, read for the winner <laughs> it looks just like great i don't know if this is probably a bad comparison but for those who have not like looked at your stuff yet you know, like I thought of kind of like Lord of the Rings sort of esque, you know, just kind of going into that fantasy if that helps for anybody, but it's probably not exactly what you're going for. <laughs> um, my editor actually, because I was I was um I'm getting ready to to get the new next cover for the next book. And my cover artist was like, Oh, well, what books would you compare? Like what covers and whatnot? I think it was for that. And I went to my editor and I said, I have no idea. I hate it when people ask me this question because um, <laughs> I can't compare myself to anybody because it's, it's just so different sometimes. And, right. and um, she said, well, the human side of, of Lord of the Rings is what your writing reminds me of. And I just lived off of that compliment for like a week. Um, um, but people have also compared... Uh, some people like to bring up Game of Thrones, but I only I think that's only because of the scope of the world. Mm -hmm. um, to me, that's where the comparison ends because you don't have all that grossness and nudity happening. Um, Which, thank you, by the way. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. <laughs> I can't watch it, so why would I write it? Um, right. uh, really. And um, gosh, somebody else. I've had people compare to Brandon Sanderson, who I've actually never read. So one person compared me to Philip 
Philippa McKillop, I think her name is, or Phyllis McKillop or something like that. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Robin McKinley. And I, you know, sometimes try to write descriptions like she does, but I don't know if I ever pull it off. So. Cool. Yeah. And just, um, I think you just slightly touched on just like the cover art and such. How does that process like happen? I saw the trailer for, I think it was your fourth book and uh, the previous books, like I thought the covers were awesome, but just the artwork that goes behind that, is that like a collaboration between you and who does it? Or maybe you did it. I don't really know how that works. Oh no, I, I, um, if you dig back into the archives of the internet, I'm sure you would find the original cover for Clara and Willows of Fate, which is a separate, um, book entirely it's a it's own it's its own book um i tried to do my own covers in photoshop because my husband had just shown me how to use it and they were awful and um a, a friend of mine um kate tilton who is, runs her own services with a uh, with um assisting authors she's like honey you need to get a cover artist <laughs> and i said okay so uh i shopped around and i found fiona jade media and Fiona is great. And um, so what she does is she asks you, okay, what's your book about? What's the genre? You know, what are you thinking? And she also asks for like, you know, things that covers that you like that kind of fit the vibe of the book and, and, you know, any ideas that you might have. And then what she'll do is she'll pick out the elements and tell you to pick which one you like the best. And then she goes into her lair and and throws it into a pot and out comes the the book the the cover i mean that's how i picture it in my head i'm sure that's not how it happened <laughs> yeah comes out that's cool and that, that is cool that yeah different it is very collaborative process from what it sounds like and yeah you had this friend say something then you found someone else to put it together and um all these ideas coming together to make a great product if you will mm -hmm. Is there anything, I'm curious, is there anything that you want to try in the future with your writing that might be a little bit different? You did mention um, maybe doing something for a Catholic artist or audience, but is there, are there any new uh, horizons for you or different uh, things you would like to experiment with in your writing? Um, I wouldn't, I don't know if you would call it new, but, um, because I don't really see myself leaving the fantasy genre. Like even anything I would write would still have a fantasy element to it. It would still have the fantastical or the, the, you know, kind of element to it. I wouldn't. I don't think I would ever be able to fully leave that behind. So within the realm of fantasy, um, the sequel trilogy of Star Wars really got me angry um, because they had all these beautiful elements to the story, and then they just trashed it. It was just terrible. Um, I could go into a long rant, and I won't, because I don't know if you care. Um, but <laughs> um, uh, it just made me angry. And and like a lot of authors, there's actually been more than one book has been published kind of in response to, like, you know, it's like a creative outlet. Um, so I've been wanting to write a story about someone who they had every setup to be the hero and then they didn't and like what happens to that person because that's really when you boil it down that's what the secret trilogy was you had someone who had the setup to be the hero 
the child of Han and Leia solo. And then he wasn't. And where they got hung up was they wanted this, you know, uh, outsider, Ray, and they just, they tripped over them. So they forgot what this was supposed to be about. Mm. At least that's in part. Um, gosh, it's so hard not to rant. Um, but uh, so that's, <laughs> that's kind of what, you know, that's I, that idea has been brewing in the back of my head for a while now. And I don't know what's going to come out. Something will. Yeah, I guess I never picked up on that. That is really true, though. Yeah, they did just kind of skip over that really big character or the opportunity for character development. Well, I guess we see the end of like where he developed too, but the process in between. Yeah, we don't really like see they that. They tried to fill it in in Last Jedi with the whole flashback thing. They tried to do the Rashomon effect, which is the the apparently I've never seen it, but it's a samurai film where it's about a fight in a field and it's told from different perspectives and so what's the truth they tried to do that in last year i don't think they really pulled it off but i mean what do i know i'm not a cinephile um but uh he they tried to but it didn't really hit home because it doesn't like explain like why didn't he just go back to his parents why didn't he why did he keep falling um and they what they did was that through comics right and ancillary material they tried to answer the question but i mean your average moviegoer isn't going to go and buy the comics and read them. So they're, if they're just watching the movie, they don't see it. And, and I don't know where I'm going with that. Um, so yeah, they don't, they, they kind of skipped it over. They, they, they made Ray who was a good character, sort of, kind of, sort of. <laughs> she was an, I, she was a good idea. <laughs> I'll debate about the execution. <laughs> and and they just kind of it was like they were almost trying to make two different movies at the same time and they didn't have a plan before they went in and so that's why each film feels like a separate film and why rise of skywalker feels like the direct sequel to force awakens because they're by the same director and so they kind of are and he just kind of forgets about a lot of what happened in um, last jedi so it's a whole Very thing. Intriguing. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> thank you for your review. Um, <laughs> the sequels. Um, I wouldn't have picked up on those things because you're right. Like, I'm not, yeah, some, I just kind of watch them when I watch them. And, but I do like the story, you know, overall. But yeah, I wouldn't have picked up on that. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, going off that, if this is taking a different direction, but speaking of movies, if someone were to say, hey, Susanna, we want you to write a movie or someone hands you maybe a rough script and they want you to develop it, you know, again, because I'm not like a real author. I don't know if the process is completely different to like write something like on a different media. Right. Would that make you scared or would that be a fun opportunity? Or I don't even know if you're like, no way, I wouldn't touch that. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll do I'll try anything once. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but uh I thought about it. I, I dipped my toe into script writing and it is a whole other animal. You know, whereas if I'm writing a novel, so I'm sitting down, let's say I'm writing a scene in House of the Seer, which is the next book that's coming out. Then I have to describe everything and I have to say what people are doing 
and whatnot. And like, it's a whole complete piece right there on the paper. But if I were to write a script of that same scene, it would mostly be the dialogue. And I might have like little notes saying how they're saying it. But for the most part, what I've written and what actually comes out you know, in the finished product might be two different things because some um, actors like to um, do a scene three or four different ways, um, especially if there's supposed to be ambiguity in the movie. So, you know, what you write as a scriptwriter may not be what's always translated up on the screen. Um, and that is something I struggle with control and letting go. And that's something with, with script writing that has always kind of turned me off because it's not just me. Like, yes, I collaborate with a lot of people. I have an editor and a proofreader and I have beta readers and there's a cover artist and there's a whole cast of people who help me put out a book. But I'm the one driving the ship and I'm the one who decides. And so this is what, and then the reader will read it and they'll have their own version of the book that is from their own interpretation. And that's totally fine. And that's how it's supposed to be. I have no control on how somebody else interprets one of my books. And that's just part of the process. If I were to make a movie or write a script, I have to release that script to the director who then interprets it in his own way, who releases the script to the actors who interprets it in their own way. And then there's the cinematographer who's doing his own thing. And then there's the executive producers who have their own thing and they all come together and then they edit, and then here's the movie. And the movie is just a really a, a collaboration of all these different perspectives and interpretations, and it may look completely different to the script. At least how I see the process happening from where I sit. I might just be talking complete smoke here, um, but I just, I just don't, I don't feel, like you get that question, it's like, would you like your book to be made into a movie? And right now my answer is no. <laughs> Just because of that reason, you know, and and there's so much that goes into a book too. You don't ever know what they want to emphasize. So, yeah. Yeah, that um, that is a very different flavor that I never would have thought of either that like the dialogue versus like setting up the whole scene um in a novel and and then a film or a script like yeah in a novel you have to create the, everything right because you're going off of really a blank page so yeah that's a very different process um moving on to a very different direction though i do wonder um do you have any advice for aspiring writers the whole um whether you know despite their age, young writers, middle-aged, retired people, like someone who wants to, has this desire to create and tell a story just as you did. Um, but you've gone through the process, you know, quite a bit, a few times <laughs> um, writing your books. What, what advice would you share with aspiring writers? I would tell an aspiring author that there is going to be a crowd of people who are going to tell them what to write because of whatever is politically correct. And, you know, morality entirely aside, you have to write what it is you feel like you need to write and just ignore everybody else. You have to write your voice because it's a choice between being authentic and just being another cookie cutter model. And if you're just one more person in a factory line stamping out another book that looks like every other book, 
I mean, there's a reason why you see trends in publishing. Like when Twilight happened, you all of a sudden saw books like Twilight coming out because they sold. Publishers will get books depending on whether or not they sell. They'll look at a manuscript and be like, can I sell this? Does this fit the current trend? And that's why indie publishing is something I turn to because I don't have to worry about that. But even in indie publishing, it's kind of infected it where they say this is the politically correct thing that you can write about. And you're not allowed to write XYZ because of skin color or culture or background or history or whatever. And I think if writing is going to stay a, a real endeavor and something that actually impacts society, then you have to ignore the voices and write what it is that you feel like you need to say. Mm-hmm. So that would be my answer. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's so much there. And I just think of just, yeah, authentic, like the writers who stuck to what was in their heart, like seem to transcend the ages, right? Uh, the famous writer, Shakespeare, whoever, it's just like, they just gave what they had, you know, and it just kind of almost brings us back to our faith, you know, some people are going to just try to pursue the buck. So they'll write in any way to get the buck. Right. And there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure to do that. Um, but to be yourself, like, it's like, you know, from us, from a religious perspective, we take it back. Like, well, what was I created to be? Who am I? Who's, who's am I in my gods, you know, child. Okay. Now what do I do with that? Right. And like, how do I use what's in me to create something that's from my heart, whether the media is going to like it or not. And it's true. Maybe it's not going to work in our times, <laughs> but at least you could say to the Lord, when you get to heaven, I stuck to what, who I am and who you called me to write, you know, about maybe I had to have another job on the side because I couldn't make any money with that. But, <laughs> but it's just like, yeah, who do you want to be authentic, you know, or do you want to kind of fake it to make it? I, I, yeah, it's like, that's great stuff. And that could probably go into any type of, you know, any artist, musician, et cetera. Right. And we um, actually, one reason why we wanted to do interviews in the first place is because we were pursuing this question of like, how do you, how do you pursue your passion and your gifts and express that and share that with the world as we're called to, um, and also make a living when, you know, just as the prophets, right? (laughs) A lot of the world doesn't want to hear the religious experience, even if it's through beauty and through the art, it's not generally going to make a lot of money. It's not going to be your profession oftentimes, um, unfortunately. You know, so how do you how do you do both? And um, so I just I guess it goes back to that question. How do you be authentic and and share this this beautiful gift with the world while understanding the realistic the reality of it that not the world might not receive it? Yeah, I I have noticed a change in my writing because when I first started off, you know, it 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 was very secular. But then with each book, I've kind of been getting deeper into the mystical and um, and into the mystical experience and relationship with the with divinity. Um, and I know I'm using kind of a, a broad term of divinity because in the books, there is no Catholic faith. You know, it's, it's a different religion, um, but it still has some of the hallmarks and some of the... Um, I don't want to say tropes, but it just has some of the fingerprints of it. Mm-hmm. And and I found that as I've gone on with my writing, I've been getting more and more with each book, a bit more authentic and a bit more, you know, this is, you know, how I would really want it to read. Not Because I think Clara, in some ways, I kind of wrote it for what I thought people wanted to read. 
And now that I've got to House of Seer, House of the Seer, I'm writing what I want to read. So I think that's kind of the the biggest change in my writing and 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 that. That's cool. It's a journey for you as well, right? And <laughs> as you grow as an author. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, great stuff you've shared with us. I feel like I can just sit here and talk with you all day. I don't know if you're getting this feeling like, what is it about her? She just has a calming presence to me. Maybe you don't feel like that in your own life, <laughs> but I just feel like calmed listening to you and you just like, you're, you're insightful and you can tell why you're an author. I mean, she has deep thoughts and just thinks about things and that's just so cool. Um, but to get towards the end of our interview here, we just have two more questions, a little more simple for you. Um, first one, what can people, we saw you can sign up for your newsletter. So if someone were to sign up for your newsletter on your site, what can they expect to get from that? Well, I have two, two sites. I have SusannaLinton.com and then I have Low Country Catholic. Low Country Catholic does have a sign up for a newsletter, but I don't really have a newsletter going off of that. Um, uh, cause I just haven't developed, I haven't, I haven't really had the time to focus on it. But for SusannaLinton.com, you'll get a monthly newsletter with uh, links to giveaways for other, you know, um, uh, other fantasy books that you can download or, or get um, with the disclaimer that I don't know every book that's in that list. So buyer beware. I try to screen, but I'm not always successful. Um, and then uh, lately I've been doing my own interviews, you know, where I would have somebody, you know, uh, I think the next one that's going to come out next week is actually a Christian writer um, who's doing fairy tale retellings, which is really cool. Um, and uh, so that's, yeah, that's usually what's in. It's a monthly third Friday of the month. newsletter. Okay. And my cat opened the door by herself. <laughs> cats are so i don't know how they do it but i've learned that cats really pick up on how to do things like that like turn the handle i, and like... I don't think the door i don't think the door is catching properly so <laughs> is there any don't give away anything but is there any time frame that you've revealed to uh readers about house of the seer like your fourth book uh when it might be coming out or is that still kind of hidden um i no it's not really hidden mostly because I haven't picked a date yet. Um, it's next year. I hope to have a cover reveal in February, fingers crossed. Um, House of the Seer has been really difficult for me to write. It's partially because my husband went on deployment, so I was stressed by that. Then the pandemic happened, I was stressed by that. And when you're really stressed, you just can't write and you can't edit. And it's just, it just doesn't happen. I mean, it was just a really difficult book because there's a lot happening and there's a lot of moving parts and it's just like the most complicated thing I've ever written. Um, but I'm in the editing phase and I feel confident that it'll come out next year. I'm thinking August, but don't quote me. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll look forward to that and the cover reveal too. Um, gosh, that's going to be fun as well. And, um, we want people to find you and follow you and support you in all your efforts. So how can they best do that? I have two Instagram accounts. One is low country Catholic and I tend to put all my Catholic stuff over there where I get really Catholic. -y. And then there's Susanna J Linton, which is my other Instagram. And, um, that is very writerly and, and uh, whatnot. Um, I haven't really been posting much either because I, because of my new job, I'm in a transition period. Um, 
uh, and, and just trying to figure out my my hours with that. As a bonus question, could you tell us what the purple dragon is in the background over your I think, left is, shoulder? Yeah, this is um, Ichabod. Um, Ichabod, uh, my husband and I went to a fair, and um, I just really liked the idea of the guy winning the really big stuffed animal for his girl. And so I asked him to win, I think it was like a ball throwing game or something. I can't even remember. It might have been darts. And the guy asked, what did you want? And I got Ichabod there. He fits perfectly into your life, I feel like. And the little that I know, <laughs> seems like it's a perfect match. <laughs> all right. Well, this has been great. Uh, thank you so much for being on. We'll include all the links, uh, how you can follow Susanna in the description below. Um, but yeah, check out her books. This is some engaging stuff. and. Uh, Hope to see you next time on Life Talks. Until then, ciao, ciao. <laughs>